Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome back to episode 17 of Podcast Royal. Jessica, do you remember the days when we used to talk about what oven Kate uses and fashion tips? <laughs> um, that, that is not going to be the case today. We've got another full episode today. If Harry and Meghan's Oprah interview could be compared to a bomb dropping, this past week we've seen the fallout from the damage. First of all, how are you, Jessica? I am great. It is, so we had the time change um, this past weekend and it is still light outside. Normally I feel like it's dark when we're recording this podcast in the evenings, but um, it's been, you know, warm 80 degree weather this past week and I am in spring mode and I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm good. I'm really good. And I don't like what the time change does to my circadian rhythm, but I do love the fact that it's 5.38, we're recording, it's still light out, and when we finish, it will probably still be light out, and that makes me happy. <laughs> yes. So we are recording this just for context sake on March 16th, Tuesday. So before we continue, I realized that after the Oprah interview, we might still have a large number of new listeners. So I'd like to start off this episode by saying welcome to the podcast Royal Family. I am Rachel. And I am Jessica. And we are your co-hosts. And you can go back to episode one and learn a little more about us. I promise our content is usually substantially more lighthearted, but the news is the news. And I'm telling you, Jessica, once we start to resume some sort of normalcy post-Oprah interview, I want us to do like an episode on the Monaco royal family or something. Yes. I, I need a breather from the British royal family for a little bit. Right. And we've promised that content to our listeners already. So stay tuned, guys. It's coming. <laughs> yes. And we did, if you want to go back in past episodes, we did do a bit on the Swedish royal family. And we obviously our primary focus is the British royal family, but we do intend to cover other European royal families as well. So before I get started, I normally drop this at the end of the episode, but we got a lot of really good feedback after episode 15, the big episode, the Oprah episode. And one of those pieces of feedback was to put this information at the top of the show. So I will do that. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us if you so desire at hello podcast royal at gmail.com. 
And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast because it really does matter and it helps others find us on podcast platforms, which in this day and age of royal news bonanza, we really want people to, to find us and listen to us. So definitely. And I will say we've had a few uh, people who have reached out to us in the past and given us their thoughts and we so appreciate it. And it, yes. it really helps us provide our listeners with the content that you guys want to hear. Yeah, we, we read every message that you send. We read every piece of feedback and we nine times out of 10, maybe even 10 times out of 10, incorporate that exact information. So please keep the feedback coming. It means so much. And we really do consider this the podcast royal family and um, which is seems to be much more functional right now than the British royal family. So um, there is so much to say. So we decided again for this episode to do a roundtable type discussion like we did on episode 15 um, after the fallout from the Oprah interview. We will bring back or at least we intend to bring back the formal royal rundown in our lifestyle segments soon like as in hopefully next week but we want to focus on current events as those take precedence. So some late breaking news today, as I said, we are recording on March 16th. After 28 days, Philip was released from the hospital today. There is a photo of him circulating in the back of a car. He looks strikingly well for, for being in the hospital for 28 days with a heart condition and being 99 years old. We are so happy about this and we wish him, of course, a continued recovery and he is now resting comfortably at Windsor. So what were your thoughts when you heard that he had been released from the hospital? You know, same same as you. I saw the photo and I had to double check and make sure it was a current photo and wasn't an older one because he was sitting up in the car and, um, you know, Prince Philip is just a, a strong man and he's yeah. been so much in his lifetime and, um, I, I'm just glad to hear he's back home and, um, and you're right. He, he did look well. He looked, he looked surprisingly well. And so of course we're wishing him a continued recovery. He, uh, is at Windsor, as I said, and hopefully we will just not even see him or hear any news about him, except that he's doing well until his 100th birthday, which is coming up very quickly in June. So we last spoke to you on March 10th. Um, a lot has happened since then. We have heard from quite a few family members since. Most notably, perhaps, is a clip of William responding to a Sky News reporter last Thursday, saying first, when asked if he'd spoken yet to Harry, quote, no, I haven't spoken to him yet, but I will do, which that is out of date now. We'll talk about this in a second. Apparently, they have, according to Gail King, they have spoken over the weekend. Then um, followed by William's emphatic statement that, quote, we are very much not a racist family. So last Thursday was William and Kate's first time to step out in public since the interview heard around the world aired on Sunday. This seems trivial, but Kate, I thought, looked absolutely stunning in pink at that engagement. We covered that on our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram if you're not already, Podcast Royal. So Jessica, what are your thoughts on William's words? Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not a royal expert in that I work in this industry or anything um, that, you know, I have a general interest in the family and, and follow them. But based on what I'm hearing from royal correspondents and people who work in that industry, 
it's not like William to respond to shots from reporters like this. Um, I'm sure he has experienced reporters constantly shouting questions and other comments his way when he's been on engagements throughout life. So for him to respond to something like this tells me that he really did want to make his voice heard. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we know the royal families never complain, never explain mantra. And, um, you know, this means that it's not really customary for them to directly respond to rumors in the media. Um, and they generally leave it up to interpretation by the public. I think that overall is um, a smart approach to take because we know they cannot simply respond to every rumor, um, you know, that's out there or their life would start to look like some reality TV drama. You know, they, they typically don't like to get caught up in those types of games. But, you know, I think on rare occasions, we do see them step up and be vocal about something when they're really passionate about it. And I think back, you know, when William's done this in the past in 2017, I mean, I'm sorry, 2007, he warned the media against harassing Kate Middleton when they were dating. Yeah. Um, and then just recently, we saw him speak out against racism in football um, in a statement that he made formally to the press um, regarding the uh, Manchester United forward, Marcus Rashford. He, he had received some statements on social media that were racist in nature, and William did respond to that formally. Um, so we haven't seen him actually make a formal statement regarding these allegations that were brought forth by Megan, and I really don't know if we will. Uh, but to me, you know, his response to the reporter um, seemed very intentional. Um, it seemed like he may be in a position where he can't stand up and make a formal statement on behalf of the family right now. Uh, but he saw an opportunity where he could speak up in his own way uh, to defend his family, and he took it. So I think that says a lot about his feelings on the subject right now. For someone who generally follows that never complain, never explain rule, he did decide to break it on this occasion. And I think that's, you know, that shows how big of a deal this is um, and how strong his feelings are about these allegations. And he's wanting to challenge what was said um, on the Oprah interview. So, you know, he knew when he responded that people would be taking this and, and broadcasting it back out um, in various media outlets. He knew what he was doing. So that that's kind of my feelings on that. What about you? Yeah, he was incredibly emphatic and he had to have known there were reporters gathered there. He had to have known the gist of what would be asked of him. And I can't imagine that he didn't in some way prepare for that. But I do think, as you said, it says a lot about his passion for the statement that he said that he even spoke at all. And his words were very few, much like the statement from Buckingham Palace, brevity is the name of the game. But I do believe he got his point across. Right. I agree. Apparently, according to Gail King on CBS This Morning today, March 16th, Harry spoke with William and Charles this past weekend that Gail said, quote, well, I'm not trying to break news, but I did actually call them, meaning I assume Harry and Meghan, to see how they were feeling. And it's true. Harry has talked to his brother and he has talked to his father, too, she said. The word I was given was that these those conversations were not productive. I don't know what that means, but that's I'm just quoting Gail King but they are glad that they have at least started a conversation. And I think what is still upsetting to them, meaning Harry and Meghan, is the palace keeps saying they want to work it out privately, but yet they believe these false stories are coming out that are very disparaging against Meghan still. 
And then Gail King added that no one in the royal family has talked to Megan yet at this particular time. So I, it, it kind of troubles me that Harry and Megan apparently are talking to Gail King and talking to members of the, the like and right. feeding feeding them this when when it again it just kind of seems unfair that I get I mean I suppose the royal family could talk to you know drop to the hints to the media themselves but it seems like they have a direct line to the media and whereas they must know that the family will not respond in kind and so I just I kind of think at this point Harry and Meghan have said what they needed to say and I respect them saying what they needed to say but I'm not sure that it is appropriate anymore to update the media mm -hmm. with yeah. the play by play of, of of the relationship well that was my first reaction to this was like why is Gail King sharing this yeah. in the news? Like, if you, if Harry and Meghan really do want a relationship with with Harry's family and they want to work this out, um, stop running to the news. Yeah, and, I actually agree. You know, telling people what your private conversations are like with your brother. I, I don't get that at all. Yeah, I. And as someone who who likes to, you know, be up to date and know what's going on, like, I mean, I really don't want to know this. Like you said last week, it feels like we're um, like invading the family's privacy hearing. Right, stuff. right. And, and I do respect Harry and Meghan having their platform saying what they need to say. But now it feels voyeuristic. It feels icky to me. I don't and I am a royal enthusiast and I co-host a royal family podcast and I don't want to know what the ins and outs of their relationship are and I don't know if Gail, I'm assuming that Gail got their permission to meaning the Sussex's permission to break that news on air um I seriously doubt that she went behind their backs and betrayed a confidence but I don't want the play-by-play. -play. Well, it's and it's not even going to be a play-by-play -play because it's going to be one-sided, and right. so it just. I I wish now that everyone has well, everyone is a loose term. Harry and Meghan have had the chance to say their piece. I wish now that things would turn private and become a family matter. Yeah, um, you know, my thought on this is if Harry and Meghan continue to do this, they're going to lose whatever credibility they have. Yeah, so. they just, I mean, they, it, it seems a little pandering at this point and, and just a little bit um, too hungry to put the, the gritty details out there. So yeah, I, I was not a fan of that. So, okay, backing up to last week. So on Tuesday of last week, so that would have been March 9th. Charles stepped out and at an engagement of his own at a London COVID-19 vaccine clinic. When inevitably asked by reporters, and keep in mind that this was only 48 hours less than that after the interview aired, uh, Charles's reaction to the Oprah interview was, quote, he chuckled and carried on walking, according to a tweet from Richard Palmer of the Daily Express. So he didn't say anything. So at that time, of course, uh, going back a week, the statement we spoke about in the last episode from Buckingham Palace had not yet been released. 
And it should be noted that Charles appeared in good spirits throughout the visit. So what do you think of Charles's response? My thoughts on Charles right now is he's had a tough year. <laughs> um, you know, let, let's talk about Charles for a second. Um, he's definitely right now following royal protocol. I think, you know, and sticking to this never complain, never explain rule. Um, I think it's smart for him to do that right now. He is the future king, and I'm sure he's been advised not to speak out regarding this issue at, at this time. And, you know, you look at, at the past year, he's really been attacked by Meghan and the crown, um, really ganging up on his reputation. And I just feel bad for him, honestly. Well, and his father was still in the hospital at the time. Um, right. You know, his, his son has just gone on international television and, and told the world that there was a time when he was not taking, Charles was not taking Harry's calls. Exactly. Um, I don't know why he wasn't taking his calls. I think it was kind of a cheap shot of Harry to, to comment about that on the interview. Um, but to be honest, if I couldn't trust someone, you know, not to run to the media and share private conversations, I don't know if I would take their calls either. Mm. Um, I think yeah. Charles and the queen and others in the royal family right now are trying to let the dust settle on this story. And they're letting the media run in different directions with it because while some of the tabloids are attacking the royal family, you know, there are others in the media who have really come through for the family and pushed back on what was said and, and tried to defend them and refute some of the claims that were made in the interview, um, you know, things that may not have been explained accurately. And, and they're doing some of the fact checking on behalf of the family. And, and so I think we'll continue to see public opinion sway back and forth for a little while. Yeah, and according to a People Magazine article that I read today, Megan apparently has, quote unquote, the receipts, my words, not people's, emails, texts to prove everything she said on Oprah. But as I said, Harry and Megan have had their moment. Everybody deserves their moment. They had it. So I believe that if they ever want a chance of repairing the relationship with the family not even i'm not talking about in a professional capacity as working roles i'm just talking about as a family mm -hmm. there are at this point there are matters that stay within a family there are matters that have happened in my family that i would never share publicly not even to my best friends because that's a family matter and my family we call that table talk whatever is discussed around the dinner table is table talk that's our family and I truly, as if Harry and Meghan are listening, but I truly wish that at this point they work things out privately. And if they can't work things out privately, then just stop talking about it, please. Like, I just, I, I, I'm someone who lives for this news and I even feel like I don't want to know about it anymore. So, um, Moving on. So the queen had an engagement of her own Friday. She joined a virtual science showcase to mark British Science Week. Of course, um, no one was from there from the media asking her, peppering her with questions. On the video call were British scientists, educators, and school children. Again, not surprisingly, no comment was made about the Oprah interview. So, okay. Any other thoughts, Jessica, on overall on the family's response? Do you think we'll see this addressed more in the future from them or does the matter seem closed? 
right now, I don't think we'll hear anything more from them. Who knows? I mean, that, that's just my best guess. I think they are trying to, you know, stay calm and level-headed during all of this. And that's really true to Her Majesty's character. Um, um, I, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll hear something. I kind of feel like we won't. What do you think? I don't know. If we hear something, it will not be for a while. I think they're going to let the dust settle as shocking and as much of a bombshell as this was and as disturbing as the allegations were, the public's memory is short and the public will move on eventually. Um, again, I'm not saying that what was said allegedly or done allegedly was right, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I say that they're getting advice from trusted aides, but as I said in the last episode, I don't really trust those aides so much right now and don't always think they have the right answer, but I have a feeling that we will not be hearing from them. Mm -hmm. I think that statement was the statement and it was poured over and it was, you know, probably seen by a million different pairs of eyes. And I think they said what they said. And now as the statement said, it's a private matter. Yes. I agree. I agree. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said the public has a short memory. Um, Queen Elizabeth has been ruling her country for decades and she has so much experience of, you know, times when things were unsettled um, and, and she had to make difficult decisions and, you know, she just has a lot more experience than, um, then sometimes we remember or give her credit for. So, um, you know, yeah, I she's seen that, a lot in her years on the throne. We, we were too young to remember the full impact of this, but if you do watch the movie, The Queen with Helen Mirren, the British public was infuriated at the queen for her response or lack thereof to Diana's death. And they were making the same calls then to end the monarchy. And what is the point of the monarchy? and we've recovered from that and and that i would say i mean in its own way was was very very damaging as well so i don't know i mean at this point it just feels icky to continue to voyeuristically and i know that this has captured the public's attention and rightfully so but this is a family dispute and it just feels wrong to continue to 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 hear the back and or not even as I said, not even the back and forth, the one-sided back and forth. So one of the criticisms that is always leveled against the family is that they lack empathy. And kind of in a response to that without really being a response to that, because I don't think that Kate's move that I'm about to talk about was strategic. I think it really was genuinely because she heard this news story and, and cared. Um, Kate touchingly stepped out privately Saturday, not as part of an official engagement, but just as a concerned British citizen to visit the memorial for Sarah, Sarah Everard, a 33-year-old woman whose remains were found last Friday over a week after she disappeared in London. She was walking home, disappeared, and then her body was found days later. The memorial is at Clapham Common, an area near Everard's 
which I pray I'm pronouncing correctly, Everard's home in Brixton, where she was last seen walking before she disappeared on March 3rd. Kate left flowers at the memorial and according to a royal source speaking to people, quote, she wanted to pay her respects to Sarah and her family. She remembers what it felt like to walk around London at night. So Jessica, you heard about this case before this news item came out? No, I had not heard about the case until I saw reports that the Duchess of Cambridge has visited the memorial. It's an incredibly sad story and, you know, really heartbreaking. Um, and I think much like Kate said, she can relate to walking alone at night in the city. As women, we can all relate to that sense of fear or uncertainty you feel when walking alone at night. And, and that crime was truly senseless and unnecessary. And I just pray for her family. Um, she was at such a exciting time in her life. Um, you know, and it's just so heartbreaking. And um, I do appreciate Kate taking the time to pay her respects. I thought that was very thoughtful of her. I do too. And it just showed that Kate is human too. And um, as I said, the royal family gets complaints a lot that they're not very empathetic. And I think this was a very empathetic gesture. So um, some really good Kate adjacent news. Kate's younger sister, Pippa, has given birth to her second child, a baby girl. Grace, yeah. Yes, Grace Elizabeth Jane was born on March 15th, weighing six pounds, seven ounces. Elizabeth, of course, is also Kate's middle name and of course is the name of the sovereign. So congratulations, Pippa, we're thrilled for you and your family of four. So now we're off baby watch for everyone but Zara. And um, also we've got a baby coming in the Swedish royal family as well, but um, we'll stay on baby watch for that. But it's, it, thank God for these babies that are happening. Oh, and hello, what? wake up Rachel, Megan. Um, Megan is also pregnant. Well, that, you know, I've heard a lot of reports that the baby news for Megan was sort of overshadowed. No, it's, you know, that the interview is saying something when the, inter, when the news that they're having a baby girl is like the last thing we think of about the Oprah right. interview. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes with all this other Megan and Harry news, I forget that Megan is pregnant too. So we are on baby watch for, for Zara, Megan, and um, baby Swedish royal. I can't remember who is pregnant in the Swedish. I'm having a, a moment, but um, it, isn't it Sophia? Yes, it's Sophia. Thank you. God, God, it's not. Yeah, for a half second, I thought, is it Madeline? But no, it's Sophia. So anyway, okay, we're going to talk actually about the Swedish royal family a little bit at the end of the program today. So stay tuned for that. But um, okay, back to Harry and Meghan fallout. It has also been reported this week that Buckingham Palace is hiring outside lawyers to look further into bullying claims raised against Meghan by former staffers at Kensington Palace. Initially, they said the matter would be handled in-house. A palace spokesperson told people, quote, our commitment to look into the circumstances around allegations from former staff of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex is being taken forward, but we will not be providing a public commentary on it. So any thoughts as to why they're moving to outside counsel? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think they they said that they were gonna follow up on this and they're doing what they what they said as far as investigating this. Um, 
you know, we said last time they've got some serious HR issues they need to work through on, on several fronts. Um, but it looks like, you know, they've got records of a formal complaint back in 2018, and they've apparently got some staff who are willing to communicate with them about this and share their experiences. Um, so I guess they feel like they've got something to investigate here. Um, and, and they absolutely can't ignore the issue. I mean, as a whole, they've got to clean up whatever is going on, you know, in the, the business side of, of the palace. And, you know, this is, it's, it's the corporate side. So it's important that they see through, you know, following through on complaints and not dusting things under the rug and, you know, and, and things are getting managed properly. Um, why they hired outside counsel. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I, I initially thought it would be, it would be in like a neutral party. Well, first of all, okay. Think of this, take out all the players and all the celebrity and all the hubbub. And why would you, investigate a, a matter of, a, of an employee that doesn't even work there anymore like she doesn't work there anymore I'm thinking of mean girls like she doesn't even go here like she doesn't work there anymore so you know she's she's terminated from the firm why waste money and time investigating claims that at best likely are pretty frivolous I mean like bullying like I mean unless they were like seriously damaging like harassment or uh, a verbal harassment or something like that which I've heard nothing that serious why why take the time to delve into a matter that like if we're talking about HR and all that stuff Megan's personnel file is closed like why 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 waste the time you know I mean I, I think the only reason that I could think of would be, I mean, it is a very publicized place to work. And I do think the employees have, you know, a right to have something looked into and, and corrected if, if the palace wants to maintain its integrity. I mean, I'm sure they want it to be a place where people want to start a career there and, and come to work there. So maybe they want to be able to have um, some evidence and and come out formally and and make sure the public understands that everything was done correctly and um, you know there weren't any anything you know going on behind the scenes that shouldn't have been um, I don't know I mean that that's my thought on it well all I have to say is if they're investigating this bullying claims then I certainly hope they're also investigating other claims as well because at this point right. the claims against Megan are just allegations. And at this point, the allegations against other members of the family and other aides are just allegations. So if you're gonna investigate the Megan bullying claim, uh, Buckingham Palace aides and courtiers, I think that you would be very well advised to investigate everything else as well. Right, so. and I think, I think, you know, like we said last time, it, it, it's time to clean up whatever it's, it's time to clean up the HR, all of it, clean up. Oh my gosh. Okay. So in unrelated Megan news, it came out this week that a year after visiting the Robert Clack upper school in East London for international women's day in 2020, Megan sent a letter to its students on Monday um, for this year's international women's day. This is last Monday, not the 15th, the 8th encouraging them to quote, learn about the trailblazing women who came before us. 
And also I read today that Megan has been sending letters of encouragement to women going on job interviews with SmartWorks and she's sending them handwritten letters with her beautiful calligraphy. Did I ever tell you I took a calligraphy class and I took one calligraphy class and it was so hard and it, that might be because I'm left-handed and my hand smudges the ink as it goes across the page, but that is not easy. So I just wanna give credit where credit is due. Calligraphy is hard. So, okay, after expressing security concerns in the Oprah interview, it has been revealed that Harry and Meghan's Montecito estate was invaded twice over the holidays. Nicholas Brooks, 37, apparently drove from Ohio to break into the home first on Christmas Eve and then on December 26. He was let off with a warning the first time, which I can't believe, but was arrested the second. So any thoughts on that? That's super scary. Yeah, um, yeah I was not aware of that. Um, I wasn't either. <laughs> so I wanna get into this. I was afraid of this after the Oprah interview, I was afraid this might happen. And I even mentioned it in last week's episode that there might be geopolitical ramifications stemming from the Oprah interview. And it seems that talks are already beginning amongst Commonwealth nations. And honestly, it's not from a Commonwealth nation that maybe I expected. The former prime minister of Australia, Malcolm Turnbull, who left office in 2018, is calling for Australia to cut ties with the monarchy after Queen Elizabeth's reign ends. Keep in mind that Australia is probably one of the strongest of the Commonwealth partnerships. He said, quote, our head of state should be an Australian citizen, should be one of us, not the queen or king of the United Kingdom, he told ABC TV last Tuesday. We should be so proud of our country and our fellow countrymen and women that we should say only an Australian should be eligible to be our head of state. Only an Australian is eligible to be our prime minister, so why should it be any different? He then continued, after the end of the Queen's reign, that is the time for us to say, okay, we've passed that watershed, and do we really want to have whoever happens to be head of state, the King or Queen of the UK, automatically our head of state? Now, as I said, Australia is a leading country of the Commonwealth, made up of 54 nations. Australia's current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who replaced Turnbull in 2018, has not commented on the issue. It should be noted, though, that another Commonwealth country, Barbados, decided last year that it would become a republic, so leave the Commonwealth, in November 2021. So what do you think, Jessica? Do you think this is the beginning of other countries discussing remove, removal from the Commonwealth? And I will say that I've heard a lot that, that a lot of nations want to see the Queen's reign through to the end, mm -hmm. but afterwards will strongly consider no longer having the uh, UK monarch as their head of state. I've heard that too, and I really don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know a whole lot about how these countries of the Commonwealth um, function in, in their individual governments and, and how they make these decisions. I wish I did know more about that. I've heard a lot of comments buzzing right now, like you said, um, that this could be a possibility. Um, and, and I think overall, like you just mentioned, 
they do love the queen um, and, and she has served them for many, many years. So it certainly seems sad to see that uh, bond, you know, break apart or to imagine that that might happen. So I don't know. I, I don't know what will happen. Um, and I think that's something that I should probably learn more about. What about you? It just kind of seems, and it makes me really sad that the wheels are kind of falling off on the queen right now. And she has served for so long and has done, I mean, she's human. She makes mistakes, but she all told has done a good job as a monarch and has certainly kept true her promise to dedicate her whole life to the service of, of the uh, Commonwealth and of the UK. And I, I mean, I, I told you last week, I worry about the, ramifications of this because a very large number of the common of the 54 commonwealth countries are in africa and spread out across the caribbean and if and and harry has made very clear that it was not the queen that said those racially disparaging comments nor was it philip and so that likely leaves um, and again, we refuse to speculate on this, but that likely leaves someone in, in a senior leadership position in the family as the culprit of those comments and does a nation, I mean, Australia was honestly shocking to hear because of the strong relationship that Australia and um, the UK share. I mean, Charles and Diana went on their first tour to Australia, Harry and Meghan went on their first tour to Australia. William and Kate have been to Australia with the kids, um, um, or with George at least. Just it was just George, Charlotte, and Louis were not born yet. But I mean, this is this is a, a very special relationship these two countries have. And you know, if it were to be any country having these conversations, Australia would probably be at the bottom of my list. But I I think that after the Queen's reign ends. I think that we're going to see a lot of shifting and and you can't I mean, I don't think the monarchy will go away in the UK and I hope it I hope it does not. Um, but I do think the Commonwealth will be affected. And I think this is this is just the, the beginning and maybe the loudest voice of of other countries that are considering it. I mean, Barbados, they they announced that decision in I mean, it, it's been at least five or six months since they announced that. So that had nothing to do with the Harry interview, but a lot of countries in the Commonwealth are, so here's an example. So I went to the Bahamas a few years ago and the queen is on their currency. Her photo is all over the place and um, that's because she is their head of state. So she, is, she doesn't, obviously get involved in the gov the day-to-day -day governing of the Bahamas, but she is um, their, their head of state and as such is revered in that way. And so, I mean, I'm sure a lot of countries around the world are saying, what is the, what does the monarchy really do for us? And is it dated? And, you know, is it, is it outdated in time to to make a change, but I don't think anybody's going to do that until the Queen's reign ends. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know. I think that, especially when you put really serious 
allegations out there about race, I think it's going to have some real geopolitical ramifications. So um, what a time to be a royal reporter, as I've said so many times before. <laughs> okay, so on a much lighter note, Sunday in the UK was what is known as Mothering Sunday, and the Cambridge kids recognized it in adorable ways, baking a cake for their mom, Kate, and writing cards to Granny Diana with wonderful penmanship, I might add. Um, George wrote, Dear Granny Diana, happy, happy Mother's Day. I love you very much and think of you always, sending you lots of love. And Charlotte just destroyed my heart. She also has great handwriting. She wrote, I am thinking of you on Mother's Day. I love you very much. Papa is missing you, which of course that's William. Lots of love. And then Louie, who is only two, just simply signed his little name. So Speaking of Diana, it was reported that Harry arranged for flowers to be laid at Diana's grave at Althorpe on an island in the middle of a lake on the grounds of her childhood home. And that's only accessible by uh, members of the family. It's, it's private and closed to the public. And it was Eugenie's first Mother's Day. She shared an adorable photo of baby August laying in a field of daffodils. She wrote, I'm so excited to be August's mom. And as you can see, I'm enjoying my first Mother's Day. She signed off happy Mother's Day to all. And we echo that sentiment. And also happy early birthday to Eugenie herself. She will turn 31 on March 23rd, a week from today. So what did you think of the family's Mother's Day tributes? I really loved it. I noticed there was a lot of Mother's Day love going around in the royal family this weekend. And it's always a joy to see the creative works of the Cambridge kids. Um, I personally am inspired to make a cake with pipe cleaners now. <laughs> I don't know about you. That looks like that Kate. That cake looks pretty good. Them. That cake looks pretty, pretty good for kids <laughs> doing it. And and did you see the photo of Kate with Carol, her mom? Doesn't she look just like Louie? Yes. So yeah, that was a good picture. Yeah, so in the U.S., our Mother's Day occurs in May, so we are still several weeks away, um, but I loved seeing this on Instagram this weekend, and it was certainly really touching to hear that, you know, Harry had, had flowers sent to his mother's grave, and um, of course, it was so sweet that Charlotte mentioned how William misses his mother, and Side note, I thought it was so cute that William is Papa. Yes. Charlotte. Um, she didn't write, you know, dad or daddy, which we often see. And I thought that was really sweet as well. Yes, it was it was definitely a nice breath of fresh air after the heaviness of this week. So as promised, switching gears really quickly to another royal family we've covered. It has been reported that Crown Princess Victoria and her husband, Crown Prince Daniel of Sweden have tested positive for COVID. So they are showing light symptoms and seem to be on the mend, sending well wishes to both of them. So, okay, Whew. Um, anything else, my friend, that you'd like to add for the good of the order before we wrap up this week? What a week, my gosh, the highs of Pippa's baby and Mother's Day and the lows of you know the fallout from the interview. Anything else you'd like to add? Well, I want to mention that our podcast this week drops on St. Patrick's Day, so I did think I would squeeze in a tiny little bit of lifestyle inspo here. Yeah. Um, it's really just food inspo, but I love celebrating holidays with festive food and thought I would share a little bit about what's cooking in my kitchen this week in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Um, so first, fun fact, St. Patrick's Day 
is celebrated in Ireland in remembrance of St. Patrick, who is the patron saint of Ireland. He lived during the fifth century and is credited with bringing Christianity to the people of Ireland. Now, while Ireland has um, celebrated St. Patrick's Day for more than a thousand years, I bet you didn't know, Rachel, that the first St. Patrick's Day parade was actually held in 1601 in what is today St. Augustine, Florida. Oh, I didn't know that, really? Yeah, so um, this week I am making some dishes that are inspired by Irish food, but with a modern, more Americanized twist. So one dish that you can find in Irish pubs is shepherd's pie. And I did a quick Google search and I actually couldn't tell if shepherd's pie originated in England, Scotland, or Ireland, but I think it counts as Irish food. So, you know, if our listeners don't know, traditionally shepherd's pie consists of ground beef and vegetables topped with mashed potatoes and baked. Um, but the version that I made this week is ground turkey breast with mixed vegetables like carrots and English peas, a little bit of hot sauce topped with mashed sweet potatoes mm. and, and then baked. And it is so good. It is a favorite version of mine. Um, I've been making it for so long. I don't follow a recipe, but if listeners go out and Google like sweet potato, turkey, shepherd's pie, you'll find plenty of recipes out there. So that's one dish. Um, another favorite of the Irish is cabbage. So I actually read cabbage and bacon is a popular dish in Ireland. I have not had it, but I did see some photos online and it looked super yummy. Um, my Americanized version this week will be, um, I'll be making some cabbage simmered on a low boil until it's super soft. I'm gonna make some homemade gluten-free cornbread and maybe grilled chicken or roasted pork tenderloin to go with it. Where's um, my invite to this? This sounds amazing. Come on over. <laughs> <laughs> sounds incredible. So hopefully that inspires listeners. And then lastly, one other favorite that I've mentioned on the podcast before is good old fish and chips. Um, this is a favorite of mine and um, I like to make a gluten-free version that's a little bit lighter at home. So if you want to do that, listeners, take a cod or haddock filet, dip it in egg white, bread it with almond flour and whatever spices you like, brown it in a pan, finish it off in the oven, and make a side of homemade sweet potato fries. Serve it with your favorite vinegar. The traditional option is malt. I usually do apple cider vinegar or red wine vinegar. So good. I hope our listeners feel inspired to make a little Irish cuisine at home this week. And that's all I've got. <laughs> Thank you for that levity. <laughs> Thank you. It, I've, I've missed the light. I feel like it's only been a couple of weeks, but I've missed the lifestyle segment. My gosh, I, I really hope that we, uh, that the news will allow us to bring it back next week and we can get into some kind of normalcy because, um, it has been a rough couple weeks. And I, you know, I think all of us, hopefully, especially the families, are just going to be on the mend from yeah. it. So, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into episode 17 of Podcast Royal. Again, as Jessica mentioned, this episode drops on St. Patrick's Day. I happen to be wearing green right now, and I need to remember to wear it tomorrow, even though I work from home and no one will probably see me. But um, happy St. Patrick's Day, listeners. We appreciate you. And we will chat at you next week. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Absolutely. <laughs>